Blog Talk Radio. guys we're gonna try this one more again we are back with another edition of the t podcast brought to you by the urban wire network um this is our second installment yes. we are back for another time and we're gonna we're gonna be exposing some tea tonight we're gonna talk about some relevant topics that are pertinent to the lgbt community and not only that i just want everybody to know you don't necessarily have to be a part of the lgbt community to enjoy this show because this is a show that we touch on topics that are relevant to everybody. Now, tonight's show, we're going to be talking about polls. Now, for those of you who don't know what polls, what polls is, like you have to be literally sleeping under a rock, but polls is a new show that is currently on FX Network, and it is in its current, um, currently in its second season. And I'm telling you, it has been having the blogs and the, you know, just the blogosphere and just everybody talking. So we're going to go straight to the lines. Right here we have Jonathan Crockett right here, and then we're going to go to the lines and bring in Philip. Philip, are you there? Hello. Can you hear me? Finally, we have some – yeah, can you hear us? Yes, I can hear you. Hello? Yeah, yeah I can we have some technical diff- Okay, yeah, we had some technical difficulties, but we're back on, thank God. So, yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. The topic of 
the evening is posed. Like the last couple of episodes have been very, 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 very just jam-packed full of lessons and just, you know, it's just, I don't know, it's just so many things that we can gain from that show as far as things that we can learn and adapt to our lives. And also, like, the show does a good job in putting everything in perspective historically. Yes. So I'm going to do like we always do. I'm going to um, let both of you guys talk, and we're going to, you know, I'm going to bounce off the questions to you. And I just want to know what you guys think as far as the show. Now, Philip, have you had a chance to look at, season two, like episode one and two yet, or are you still working on that? I just watched episode one, but I have yet to see the second episode. Oh, okay. And what about you, Jonathan? I have now seen both first and second episodes of season two. Okay. Well, what we're going to do really quick is I'm going to uh, play the trailer for season two, just to get everybody caught up in general, like a general sense of what going on, because I don't really want to give spoilers away, but I'm, I'm going to play the the um, trailer for season two, and then we're going to come back and talk about some things. You know, this show's going to probably be a little shorter tonight, but I just wanted to bring up a couple things about the show, and I and I just suggest any and everybody to watch that show, because yeah. it's, it's lessons that can be taken away from that, like as far as loyalty and um, just being just 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 looking at each other as humans, it, 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 you know, a lot to do with family, a lot of values that we we definitely need to adhere to in um, today's current society. So I'm gonna go to this clip, and we will be back with the rest of the commentary. The category is runway. Mark my words, Vogue will make a star. And what's new than an entire world undiscovered from into the realm with guts and raw talent? This season of Pose is about the community now finding a place in mainstream, about acknowledgement, about visibility. We are on the cusp of a revolution. You're about to go mainstream. Let's Vogue like Paris! And it's 1990. There are new types of dance moves that come into play. There's a lot of, you know, proactive things that are happening. We dive a little deeper into the AIDS epidemic and what happened within the 90s. I've been to three funerals this week. Three? Where's the cure? We quarantined the ones that died of AIDS. Don't want them infecting anyone else. But they're already dead. See, we don't know how this thing is spread. Pose is touching on the AIDS epidemic and HIV crisis that was happening in a very important way. This Sunday's protest up at St. Patrick's Cathedral is an even more crucial step in starting a global conversation around HIV and AIDS. We should all be going to that church for the protest on Sunday, together, as a house. Pray Tell is now joining the fight for equality and rights. Blanca is someone who has been, you know, sentenced with HIV, and she has to advocate for the people out there who have it as well. To Mother Blanca Evangelista! story has evolved in ways where Blanca grows, her kids are thriving under her, and now she has a place of her own to actually build and come into herself. I thought this advertisement for a modeling contest 
I'm not the face they're looking for. I ain't no model. You got the look. Angel's role in season two. She's trying to, like, move forward in her life. And, like, I think this is where Blanca's influence in her life comes in comes in handy. Hey, you next, Damon. No more Saturdays sitting around the house reading dirty magazines from 3 until 5. You're going to be teaching a voguing class down at the YMCA. They don't have a voguing class. Well, they do now. For Damon, you'll see what it means to be a 20-year-old and how the culture, how the vibe, how what's happening in America with LGBTQ people, how that materializes on a young queer black body. I don't owe you an explanation for anything. I am not a slum rat like the rest of you whores! Electra goes through a lot. She lost everything and she was taken in, but she's not the type of woman that, you know, follows anyone else's rules. In this season, she has to find herself and she discovers that she still is this strong Electra. Season two is all about people learning how to express themselves and really not giving a damn if anybody doesn't like it. Why are you pulling stunts? We're making an entrance. About to get that fourth facelift, bitch. I've come prepared to gut you like a fish you'll never be. We're telling this story so you realize that there needs to be change. That we need to continue trying to change things. I'm joining your house. Season two thrusts us and everybody to wake up. There's no more time for anything else. We're black and we're brown and we're queer. They don't give a shit about us. So we better start caring about ourselves. Show up for your life. Wake up. All right, that is pretty much the trailer of season two, and I'm telling you, I'm t- it's already off to a bang. Like we're already two seasons, I mean two episodes in, and it's just so jam packed full of stuff. Now I'm gonna go to you, Philip. What did you get like from what you've seen already? What What are some of the things that you gathered from this season of Pose? Like what What are some of the things that stood out to you? Because uh, I know you just seen episode one, but what, what are some of the lessons mm-hmm. that you took away from that first episode that you've seen so far? Oh, my. I don't even know where to begin. Um, it was it was a very emotional beginning, and I really was uh, – I don't think surprise is the word to describe that. Let's just say that it it made me feel a little emotional. Not like in a tragic way, but like it was so much to take in from one episode. Um, we're talking about uh, the beginning of the 90s and the end of the 80s. This is the cusp of a new, um, I would say, a new decade, a new trend, a new bandwagon, a new culture. Because it's like what the it's like what the the members of of the, of the cast had said. You know now. Now, voguing ballroom culture has become, you know, public. Now everyone knows about it, especially in the in the in the first episode where Blanca was talking about, you know, Madonna's single Vogue. Um, I personally liked this song, and you know, <laughs> um, you know, because Vogue Madonna, you know, she's that type of person that will start a trend and everyone else will jump on it real quick. But I didn't know that Vogue had a different meaning to people in the ballroom community. To them, it was like, we're advertising our existence through her, if that, if that makes any sense. It does. Right. And so the, I didn't know, you know, how strong the message was 
from, you know, that one hit that Madonna had. Because, you know, I I was a baby when this came out, um, the song. And, you know, when I listen to it now, it has a different meaning because I'm like, it, it's, not, it's not a song about just dancing and showing off and, you know, uh, making yourself known, you know, prancing around the dance floor like a peacock. This song was about, look, this is a community that gave you the inspiration to Vogue, that gave you the inspiration to, to say slay queen and tens across the board. We created this culture that you are now emulating. And through this song, it became the bridge that that bridged the 80s into the 90s. And so I was I was really, you know, just enchanted um, by, you know, the ballroom scene where, you know, uh, Pretel, you know, was just talking about the category is, um, shoot, what did he say? Um, something about a runway. So I'm like, yes, yes. Um, so on that note, yes, it was a very uh, explosive way to start the season. But, you know, to on the other hand, you know, the yin and yang, here's the yang. We are, we are now ma- being made aware of how, of how crucial it was to live during this time where AIDS was killing people left and right. So the scene that they were at, that secluded island, where we had to see those pine boxes full of, you know, unmarked graves. I mean, I had no idea that people who died of HIV were, were in those. There weren't in any cemeteries. They were practically dumped in some unmarked territory with with no number, uh, with no name, just a number. And so, you know, I felt that that was very dehumanizing. These were people. These these were sons uh, to someone else's parents. And so, you know, I had I'm learning a history that was never taught to me in school or in the household that these people had to pretty much play Russian roulette with their own lives. They didn't know when they were going to live or when they were going to die. And it didn't matter how healthy you were, according to the doctors I was speaking to, Bianca, in episode one, you could still die. So, you know, we should, we all ought to be thankful that in 2019 that we have, you know, more research that was developed to make drugs to not only prevent HIV but to maintain your blood count, I believe, uh, that, you know, helps people become undetected undetected on the status. So, you know, it, it it was both it was both amazing as well as shocking. And so, you know, I'm glad that they started the season the way they did. All right. Let me jump in here real quick and let everybody know if you want to call in and join the conversation, the 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 call in number is area code six four six five nine five three five one five. Once again that's six Six four six five nine five three five one five. Now, one thing I want to say before I move to you, Jonathan, is like, like Philip touched on this. This show, although it, you know, the characters are fictional and all that stuff, it really the show had a lot of history in it that I wasn't even aware of. Like I didn't even know that so many people went through so much as far as. Um, historically, like I've seen when they were protesting at the church and stuff like that, the Catholic church, and and just like some of the things that have, that that took place culturally at that time, like even as far as you mentioned, 
the epidemic, the AIDS epidemic. Like we just take the take uh, that whole thing for granted these days because people feel like you know now we have prep and now we have um, medications that will get your viral load down to undetectable or whatever. But these people literally, there, there was a death sentence when the doctor handed down that diagnosis to them, and it was just amazing how people had to get a grasp on life. And the thing that I took away from episode one and two is, for one, I, I, I felt that there was a sense of family and commitment at that time because people had, the community had to lean on each other. Yeah. And that's something I don't think that the community has today. And number two, I felt that mm-hmm. when Blanca was talking to her kids about, you know, she was breaking down um, about what she gone through and how she got to where she got to, it, she, it was all about self-love and self-respect. And that's something that she she made that mistake in the past that she, she kind of felt that sleeping with all these men kind of validated her self-worth. And it it just made me feel good that she actually kept it real, and she and she was influential on the younger generation because she knows she was like, well, I've been there, you know what I'm saying? And I don't want you guys to go through what I went through because this is not the time. Like this era that we're going through, you you better know who you are and be reassured about who you are, and not seek validation through somebody else because you'll end up where I'm at. So those are the things that I took away from this particular season so far. So I'm gonna um, hand it over to Jonathan. I want you to tell me what do you what you take away from episode one and two so far. Well, I will say that Philip, I'm gonna uh, take a word that you just used, and it was explosive. Um, it's been a long time since I've really been emotionally invested in such yeah. a show to where I actually feel like I'm there. Mm-hmm. They actually put me right there in 1990, New York City, and I actually get to see and feel what everyone is experiencing. And it really, it, it truly impacts me. Um, I was nine years old at the time that season two is being portrayed, 1990. Mm -hmm. And I didn't know anything about this. Um, Yeah. Either probably because my parents, you know, tried to shield me from it and they didn't want me to see it. (laughs) Um, They didn't really understand what AIDS was. They probably still don't understand what it is today. I hate to say that because sometimes ignorance, you know, is a powerful thing. Um, Yeah. It, all these characters have really um, they, they've given me they've given me hope that you know in the in defiance <clears throat> of AIDS in, in defiance of the government's actions they're still trying to um, they're still trying to live and yeah. They're going to do it by any means necessary. Now, that means that they have to go to a Catholic church in the heart of New York City and do a huge protest, you know, against Catholic policies. Or uh, my, my, one of my cousins pointed out that 
in the late 1980s, a lot of um, people were arrested in front of the White House to protest the Reagan administration's policies on AIDS, um, and they got arrested. So it, it, it was just very powerful, and it hit me like a load of bricks. Um, and that's why I cannot wait to, to see this show through to the end um, to see how it all ends up, so to speak. Yeah, me too. I will say this, too, uh, for those who don't know, that this show is done so well. It's, it's done yeah. numbers so well yeah. that it's already being renewed for season three. So I really am kind of excited to see where this show goes. Like, cause not, right now, we started out in the late 80s. Now we're in the early 90s. I want to see how far the timeline goes. And I want to see how these Ooh, characters develop. Yeah, I want to see how the characters develop over time and what happens because uh, it'll be very interesting because as the 90s unfolded, you know, there was more research being done as far as HIV is concerned. And a lot of people were going through those clinical trials. And I recently watched a video about how a lot of those people, because of what they went through and, and a lot of them being guinea pigs to these new uh, medications and stuff like that, that's why we're at where we're at today where we can have PrEP, where people can get on medications where they only take one pill a day. And it's because of what these yeah. people went through and they were willing to sacrifice so that the future generation didn't have to go through what they went through. It's really telling. And getting back to the point that I made earlier about family, like I kind of felt that this show kind of put in perspective that the gay community is like a lot, a lot of times they think of us, we don't, we don't have family, we don't have any structure, we don't have any one that loves us, we don't have anything like that, but this show shows us that there is loyalty within our community, and during mm-hmm. that time, we had to depend on each other, and it was just showing, it just added a humanistic kind of element to our community. I kind of felt that the shows in the past really didn't do that. It, it always kind of made a mockery <clears> or kind of felt the, the uh, stigmas or the stereotypes that people have against the gay community. And I kind of felt that yeah. this this show kind of gave a human uh, humanistic element to the characters. And um, over time, I, I can I can kind of see how you, you can fall in love with these characters. You act, It's almost like you, you know these people because you, you yeah. can relate them to certain experiences that you've had with people that you've met, not even in within the LGBT community, but in real life. That's what I like about this show. These, this show paints these people as human beings. Like, and like you said, like anybody that is not emotional from watching this show, that it's something wrong with you because yeah. the way that they kind of built this show, it was just like I don't know. It was just you. You could relate with these people. Like it's you know, uh, especially like I've seen the the young kids that were in Blanca's house, like how they were just so misguided. Like they didn't have anybody out there. You know, and I think a lot of times, even today, there's a lot of youth that are 
there are a lot of youth that are out here that don't have family. They don't. They just out here by themselves. Their family done disowned them. Their family done kicked them to the curb. So I mean, a lot of the issues that are that have that were going on back then, it's still going on today. And I just kind of feel that. Uh, I think the the youth that are coming up today in the community, they can definitely. They should be definitely. They should. They could. They can relate to them, like because a lot of this stuff still hasn't changed. We're still dealing with a lot of these things. We're still dealing with homeless yeah. LGBT youth that are out here on the streets trying to stand for themselves. We're still dealing with a rise of, uh, although it's gotten better, it's, the numbers aren't where they need to be as far as new cases of HIV and such. You know what I'm saying? Like we do have prep now, but we're not getting that message out to the communities they really need to get this message out. You know what I'm saying? So I don't know. I mean, I don't know what you guys think about that, but I think that that was like one of the major things I took away, some of the things I took away from it. I totally agree. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But uh, can I? Yeah. Yeah, go ahead. Oh, I'm sorry. Well, I, I, uh, what were you going to say? Oh, no, you fine. Go ahead. I was going to say um, I, I definitely agree with you on the family aspect. Uh, you know, it did make me feel very sentimental. Even though, you know, my, my family, you know, they they, they, don't, they don't accept me, you know, for being gay, but they still love me. But in that case, you know, when I, when I see how Blanca, you know, is the house mother and she's, you know, taking in anyone, uh, but, you know, under certain conditions, of course. But like she really has created a strong bond, and what's even more is that even though she knows she doesn't, she's on borrowed time, especially when she tries to pass the torch to Angel. Um, I was not expecting that that she would see so much confidence in Angel to be the next house mother if something should happen to her. That's how much she really cares about them. It's like she's raising them in a way to have respect for themselves as well as each other, because uh, that really defines what we think of, what we think a family is. Everyone thinks a family is just like, uh, you know, a father and a mother and two kids, and, you, you know, you have to make sure that they do the chores and they do the homework. But, no, it's more than that. It's really about survival. It's like what you said. You know, so many people were homeless because they were kicked out of their uh, family's houses for coming out. This this is a family that we are seeing that are trying to survive, and the only way they can do that is to help each other. And you know, I, I like to I like to really emphasize that because you you guys know about you know how Electra had responded in, at the end of the first episode. Yeah, like, that's you know, another I, character I really want to get on too, like because yeah yeah she but you she know, was, you know it, it made a lot of sense. Yeah, I feel like that her character represented like so many people within the community. They like to reap the benefits of the struggle, but they don't want to get out there and get their hands dirty, and they don't want to get out there and put in that work. And she was exactly. all about herself. And anytime you and have you any that. person like that in any community, they're toxic. And that's why uh, – I, I kind of see that, that element of where 
she was just all about herself. And and yeah. you could never trust her. Like you could never trust her. Her her loyalty lied with nobody. She she didn't have loyalty with anybody. You see how she hopped from from house to house and to group to group. She she didn't care. It was all about her. You would think that she would have learned something after being with uh, with Monica for two years. Like, you would think she would have learned, right. you know, that the only way that you are ever going to survive is through the support of everyone else. And apparently she did not get the memo after those two years that went by at the beginning of the second season. And so I'm like, you know what, Alexa, it's it's apparent that, okay, you you got some own issues within yourself. Like, we get it. You you don't answer to anyone. You beat at the sound of your own drum. And there's nothing wrong with being, in the, you know, being independently minded and, you know, trying to stand your ground. But there was a time and a place for that, and it wasn't, you know, at the dinner table. Like, it felt like... She, but you know, come to think of it, at the at the end of the last episode, in the previous season, she did say that she didn't trust nobody because she felt that trust is just a way they is just a thing that they use to get something from you. So she so she did mention that. And you now know, let me ask I you think, this. Let me ask. Yeah. Let me jump in here and ask you this real quick, Philip. While I'm thinking about it, do you think that yeah. over the seasons, or just even over this series, do you think that her story is going to be told? Because I feel like there's there is a underlining story. Because I I don't think that she got to where she got to got to the point where she's at currently without. With, you know, it's, it's a backstory to that. And I, I'm I'm yeah. very interested to see how they uh, portray her story throughout this series. Because I really feel that I really hope so too. Yeah, because I, I just don't feel like they, they've really given us that. Because they, they're, they're slowly telling everybody else's story. Like, they, they're they kind of telling Bernadette's um, story and how she got to where she is and everybody else's. But I yeah. kind of feel that this this huge, like, there's a void. There's a void. Like, it's a question mark hanging over us. Like, okay, what is her story? Where is she coming from? Like, you know what I'm saying? And I kind of, I, I want to see mm-hmm. Because I think that will explain a lot. I agree like I, I, I want to know, like what? How does she think? Like what drove her to be such a, you know, what drove her to be such a bitter bitch? And I think we'll I want probably to empathize get to that. with Electra. I want to empathize right. with her, but I feel like we need to see more of the season to figure out if we should have a reason to. And I'll, I'll tell you, like in real life, uh, and, and I'm almost wondering if her story kind of goes along with um, I, I can't remember her last name, but I know her real name is um, Dominique. And I've seen an Dominique interview Jackson? that she did, Dominique Jackson. And I've seen an interview that she did um, back in 2015, and her real life story and her real life struggles kind of goes hand in hand with this show. I can kind of see why she was a good candidate for this show because she's actually lived the life. You know what I'm saying? You know, she came from the uh, Caribbean islands and stuff like that where being gay and transgender was 
a pretty much a death sentence. Like you know what I'm saying? You couldn't you could not openly be like that without being persecuted and sometimes being shot, killed, you know, being thrown into prison. And I think she is a wonderful person, and she's a beautiful person in real life. I think yeah. you guys should definitely check yeah. out some of her. She has several interviews out there, and I think that her story is very telling. And I wonder if they're going to kind of line her story up, her real life story, with the story that she's portraying on post. Because I think that she she actually lived that life. Um she was estranged from her family. She came here. She moved to the States and made something out of herself. And um, with so many other LGBT uh, people, members of that community, as far as just like not even just trans, but just gay people in general, like it's just it's, it's a struggle trying to find your identity and trying to be who you, who you are and dealing with uh, – these misconceptions that other people have towards you and just like these stigmas that people have towards you, these judgments and everything else. So I kind of felt that she's really pouring her all into this character. Now, some people don't don't like how she's portraying this character. Some people, you know, everything's not for everybody, but I like the sass and the attitude and just the energy that she put into this particular character. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. I think it's also amazing that the majority of the main cast is trans. Yes. I, and not I don't some straight person. I would have ever seen that. Do what? And not, not some straight person, whether it be a man or a woman. Yeah, no. I'm glad that they actually had trans gendered people playing trans, transgender characters. And I think MJ Rodriguez, yes. Rodriguez, she said that in her interview too, like she, she saw this as an avenue for her to be able to act in these roles without having someone else do it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Correct. Um, I think uh, Billy Porter's character is just, Absolutely incredible. Yes. Um, he has really put into perspective um, the life of someone who has been in a relationship who had his partner pass away of AIDS. Mm-hmm. And that really, <clears throat> that really hit me. It hit me very hard, and I think it has given him a a renewed sense of purpose to to eradicate the disease overall and to educate as many people as he can. Uh, That's what I've seen from the end of season one into the beginning of season two. Mm -hmm. And I kind of like the fact, again, getting back to what I said earlier, how that they how that they give these characters a humanistic uh, kind of like a you know what I'm saying just giving them like giving them some sort of humanity because <clears throat> it shows that we are capable of having relationships we are capable of love 
It's not like we're all out here partying and, and doing drugs and this, that, and the other. And that's what I kind of like about this this show. It's putting the community out there in a positive light because everybody thinks like they have this stigma of the LGBT community. Like we're all out here doing drugs. We're all out here. We're not trying to settle down with anybody. We're all trying to sleep with the whole entire Dorn community and the whole Dorn country and stuff like that. And it really just shows that people are capable of wanting the same things that any other person wants. And I, and I kind of like that. And that's what you were talking about, Billy Porter's character, um, Fred Tell. I, just, I like the fact that they, I feel like they're really developing his character this season. Like he's, he's stepping to the, the forefront, being more like the father figure now and being the activist mm-hmm. and stuff like that. So I, I'm really excited to see. Um, his character unveiled, you know, during the season. So I'm I'm excited to see uh, where that goes. Me too. Mm-hmm. Yep, me too. Um, yeah, I have an article that I want to read really quick. It's from it's from NBC News, and it's about it, this is just about um, FX renewing polls for season three. And I just want to just kind of break it down and just let everybody know. Um, this news was kind of released back on the 18th. So um, I just want to let you guys know that polls fans will be having a ball. FX has renewed the Ryan Murphy created show, which Yay. is as an award contender for a third season after only one episode of season two has aired. Wow. Wow. Polls is a good musical. Wow that exposes the juxtaposition of several segments of life in society in New York, the ball culture world, the rise of the luxury Trump era universe, and the downtown social and literary scene. The show features the largest cast of the transgender actors in the series, in series regular roles ever, as well as the largest reoccurring cast of the LGBT actors ever for a scripted series. So pretty much this show has, I mean, it's just groundbreaking. Season two flashes forward into uh, in, in time to 1990 when on the heels of the ballroom community establishing itself in the pop culture and going mainstream, the house of Evangelista, I can never say that word, Evangelista. Evangelista is forced to reevaluate their goals. The series' second outing premiered last week to 1.2 million total viewers, including 572,000 in the key um, demographic between the ages of 18 and 49, according to FX. So that's just a little bit of news I wanted to share with you guys. So, um, like I said, if you guys want to read the rest of this article, you can go to um, NBC News, and the title of the article is FX Renews Polls for Season 3. So, but yeah, I just wanted to get on here today and just do a little uh, <clears throat> review of Season um, 2, Episodes 1 through 2. I don't want to give out too much information, because I know everybody doesn't have cable, so they're waiting for these episodes to fall into, you know, um, yeah, I have like to that. watch it another way. <laughs> I have to watch it another way. 
But I'm I'm hoping to ca- get caught up. Yeah. But um yeah, I just want to also give you guys some news. Um, we're gonna probably uh, cut this show short tonight. But um, I want everybody to know that we are now on Spotify. So you can go on Spotify and look up our shows. Typically, they take about two or three days before they are distributed on our network. So everybody can check us out there. You can always go back and listen to our shows on demand at blogtalkradio.com. Just type in the Urban Wire or type in the T and our shows will pop up. We're on iTunes. And I heard, I know you were telling me, Jonathan, like they're going to be getting rid of iTunes. Like, I've seen that article, so I don't know how that's going to work out, but we'll um, try to get get that established or whatever, and we'll get, you know, let everybody know how you can still uh, download our shows through that that medium. But uh, we're in tune, we're on TuneIn Radio, Google Play, podcast, and, like, yeah, just, just, just Google us pretty much, you know and you'll be able to find us. So I don't know if you guys had anything else that you want to talk about today or you want to share or, you know, what about you, Philip? Um, sorry, could you repeat that one more time? No, I was just saying, do you have anything else that you want to share with us today? I just wanted to pretty much do this show about polls yeah. today, but I didn't know if you had any other yeah. type of things in the news that you want to talk about on today's broadcast? I do. Um, Okay. I didn't know anything about AZT. It's like I've heard of of this dedication, but, you know, it was mentioned in the first episode because, you know, I was wondering, okay, with all this doom and gloom going on with people dropping like flies from the HIV AIDS virus, like, is this some kind of experimental drug, despite the fact that between the Reagan and the first Bush administration, they were trying, they voted to, uh, to not increase funding for it. So um, mm-hmm. AZT was something that I've never heard of. And I found it very interesting that in the first episode, the, uh, the doctor that was talking to Blanca said, um, you know, we get this, we give this away for free, but it's, but it, it was the thing that she said of where she got it. They weren't supplied that medicine. They actually just they just took it from the dying rich white guys of New York and repurposed mm. it for other people. And I was like, it was it was pretty much a Robin Hood story. Like you're gonna you're gonna rob from the rich to give to the needy. But this is justified. I mean, even right now, I mean, without insurance, uh, is HIV medication still Pretty expensive in 2019, or is it relatively um, affordable? Well, I'll say this: like you know, um, even with prep and all this, there's more. I see that there's more community outreach today, probably versus of versus what they had years ago. Like there was definitely disparities, with, you know, within the healthcare system. You know, it was it was difficult enough for people that had money to get that AZT or get um, health care back then, let alone someone that was, like you said, that was in, uh, that was low income and that, you know, you know, that barely had enough money to even afford basic health care. But we, we still see the disparities that 
they're still going on in 2019, but it's gotten a lot better. I kind of feel that more people are realizing that this is um, an epidemic that we want to eradicate from the globe, like whether we control it or just prevent it. I think people are more, uh, they are more F2 kind of, uh, make it more affordable, and I think I think that yeah. they, it's gotten better, but we still have a way. <clears throat> yeah, we do. And, and, and I'm glad you mentioned because I'm glad you mentioned, mentioned that too, cause, because I, that's a good element that you brought up too. There was definitely uh, an issue with healthcare, and uh, there was a correlation between healthcare and race. Because a lot of black uh, mm-hmm. people, even today, like people that people of color, they they don't have access to the resources that other people have, or a lot of yes, campaigns yes, right. are out here for like prep or even just HIV care. They're not aimed at people of color, and I, mm-hmm. I'm glad I can, they brought yeah. it up because right. that was an issue that was going on back then. It's an issue still going on. Because when I was living in Memphis for two years, they the, the Planned Parenthood that was uh, that gave free HIV testing at the University of Memphis, you know, in a confidential area, they said that Memphis was one of the cities in the United States with the highest HIV rate in the nation, oh mm-hmm. and it's and it has a lot to do with what you just said. A lot of it has to do with the fact that there was a lot of black people, especially black LGBT and people who are HIV, HIV positive who don't have access to testing or information or even insurance for medications. And I think that's done intentionally because Pose is a show that not only, that, that not only, ref, that not only talks about the ballroom culture, it's also talking about a marginalized group of people, which are people of color living in New York City. It's the people of color that that suffer the most from the HIV-AIDS crisis. And so when you cut off funding, you pretty much are ending their lives. I'd like to add to that. Yeah, go ahead. Um, Right now we're seeing a a big, in in the news at least, we're seeing um, abortion back in, and you're seeing states that are trying to um, get rid of their abortion clinics or Planned Parenthood altogether. Um, I think just recently Missouri is just about to lose their last abortion clinic. Now, this isn't about abortions, but we're talking about AIDS and STDs and HIV. In the overall grand scheme of things, losing a Planned Parenthood clinic is absolutely detrimental, not only for people of color, but for people in rural communities as well. Um, because only only 3% of abortions take place at Planned Parenthood, but the rest is about education. It's about prevention. And if we lose those clinics, then we are really um, cutting our noses off to spite our face. Because now we are going backwards in um, not just in education, but then we're we are um, we're giving the disease 
a way to move forward and a way to grow again. Because if we don't have that education, then we're just we're essentially shooting ourselves in the foot. And it's very important that a lot of these clinics do stay open. Um, yeah. And I know it's and, and and I know that you know this is far on down the road, but it's very important to vote to make sure that this funding continues. I know that Trump probably wants, probably says one thing but does another in his administration where he wants AIDS funding, but honestly, the administration and the Republicans don't want to give it. So let's be real. I think Don, I think Donald Trump really knows what's going on and what, what's going on is wrong and detrimental, but he's just keeping up appearances. And I'm pretty sure that was the same for Reagan and the first Bush. Yeah. They probably wanted to um, get this funding going, but because, you know, they want to get reelected or they want to, you know, they want to win an election, have their party win an election, and therefore other you know, anti-gay, anti-LGBT, um, anti-AIDS forces um, are honestly kind of forcing their hand. And I think we're going to see the same thing in uh, next year's election. Mm-hmm. We're going to see a repeat of history in next year's election. Why else would they show pose a show that is a, that is a reflection of LGBT life 30 years ago? They're showing it because maybe the creators know what's what's going to happen in 2020. The same thing that yeah. happened in 1990. Well, I will say this: like a lot of these, like, you got to pay attention to a lot of these shows. A lot of people think that, like, I they think that these shows are fictional, but I think a lot of these shows are kind of a precursor of events that are about to take place. You kind of, kind of. You know, I think a lot of these show creators and people like that, they kind of have their ears to the ground, and they kind of know what's coming up. And I, and I think that a lot of these shows, whether they talk about things that have happened historically or things that are happening in the future, there's always some sense of relevance. You can't just always dismiss something as being fictional. Like, I, I just look at so many shows and how they kind of are relevant with the time. So I think it's this is a show mm-hmm. that's kind of geared at – Waking people up and, and, and kind of, you know, subliminal, I can't even say the word, but putting a subliminal um, <clears throat> thought in your mind that we need to kind of pay attention to what's going on because if not, we're, we're deemed to go back or revert to where we came from. So I, I kind of feel that this show is um, kind of trying to get us back in focus. I think this is a this 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 is a show that's really um, good for that because if we don't, you know, we're going to be going repeating the same struggles that we had to come come from. So mm-hmm. that's just my opinion. You can't afford that. not to vote. Exactly. You can't afford not to vote. And I kind of like how they had a sense of unity, like like so many people now, like especially in the gay community. And I'm not saying all of all, you know, every person in the LGBT community, but so many people are so passive now. They feel like they have arrived. And I, and I, I kind of feel like once, you know, they give you a couple of rights, they, you kind of feel like, okay, now it's time to kind of relax 
I don't think that this generation has the same fight that the former generation did because they had to fight. It was a life or death type of thing. But I feel now with the baby gays that are coming, I call them baby gays, the <laughs> ones that are coming up now, they don't know what it is to struggle. They don't know what it is not to be accepted. They don't know what it is to uh, be in fear of your life. You know what I'm saying? So I kind of feel that um, this is a show that, that kind of snaps us back into reality and kind of gives the, the younger generation a historical context to where they they can appreciate what they have today, what liberties they have today. Yeah, you're right. Um, I like at the end of each episode, at least with season two, that they have um, either put up a quote or they have put up uh, some kind of semblance of uh, the, the activism of the past, like with uh, ACT UP in particular. That was the um, that was the activist group that was getting the whole AIDS crisis into focus, and they were the ones who were going out in these larger cities and doing the protesting and trying to get everyone aware of what was going on. And I really, really thank this show for. Um, for putting perspective on that. Mm-hmm. Yep. Because who else? Who else will do it? We're people. We're, you know if, what? if you if entertainment can be used, if entertainment can be used to make a person to think a certain way, then it should be used to make people wake up a certain way. That's right. We are actually and shows mm-hmm. like Pose are are trying to compete. With people like Fox News or Infowars, or you know other other makeshift talk shows like this one that we're on right now, that spread false information and false propaganda, we're pretty much just three typical people who experience this on a daily basis, just saying, "Look, it's not like that." Like. This is affecting everybody. Whether you are gay, straight, bi, it makes no difference. This is affecting everybody. And watching a show like Pose is not only entertaining, but it's informative. And that's why people should watch this show. And, you know, there's going to be a lot of people saying, oh, I don't want my child to watch something like that. It'll indoctrinate them to be gay. This has nothing to do with that. You're talking talking about a group of marginalized people that were deprived the support from their own city government to get help to eliminate a virus that was affecting everybody, and not and because God punished them. And I'm glad you mm-hmm. brought that up, Philip, because I was going to ask you guys, and, and it's funny that you brought the whole thing, like as far as the indoctrination thing. What do you feel about people that say that shows like these are harboring? <clears throat> so-called gay agenda, because you, you hear you hear that term being floated around today. What do you feel about this notion that there's a gay agenda that's being um, forced upon people? I laugh. Um, I'll, I'll let Jonathan chime in on this. Um, 
I've heard gay agenda um, pretty much since I was really aware of, you know, a lot more about, about the world um, when I turned like 12 and 13. That, that's when I really started, when I heard about more of the AIDS crisis and, and learning about that, that's when I've heard more about the gay agenda. And when I was, when I was still in church, um, you know, these Pentecostal pastors and televangelists were trying to drive home that, you know, this acceptance is wrong. And, you know, they're just trying to put this in your face. And any time that you have a pride event, that, you know, that there need to be people there to try to protest that pride event and this, that, and the other. And um, I think during the uh, during the early part of the 90s, I think, well, hell, even during the latter part, um, that's when a lot of the Protestant evangelicals really still had a foothold on the majority of America. Um, and it's really taken a long time for us to counteract those forces because, honestly, I'm just trying to live. I'm just trying to live my life. You're trying to live your life. Yeah. And to the fullest. Yeah. It's just like and that pastor of West Virginia slash cop. That goes with exactly what you just said, Jonathan. Said about he wasn't killing gays and all this stuff. R- remember, oh, it was recent. You know, you know that cop slash pastor in West Virginia. Uh, that was oh, Tennessee. Not Oh, I'm sorry. I'm I'm sorry. I meant Knoxville, Tennessee. Talking about he wanted he wanted the law enforcement to kill gays and all that stuff. Well, that's exactly yeah. what we mean. Is what we're doing an agenda? No. What we're doing is simply saying that you just can't kill a person just because they are different from you. These people are have on this people show. Say that one more time, Philip. I interrupted you. I'm sorry. No, you're good. You're good. I'm saying Pose pretty much gave me a different perspective on the transgender community. I'm not gonna lie. I, you know, yeah. I in public, I, I wouldn't be the first person to, you know, strike up a conversation with someone who's transgender. I probably would be a little, you know, apprehensive. I'm not used to seeing a uh, a man identify as a woman or a woman identify as a man, but. Right. People do. Well, you know what I mean. Like, biologically, they're men, but they are women. They identify as women. They want to be women. I'm not going to stop you or anyone else from being who you want to be. Just like it's only fair that you don't stop me from being who I want to be. But are they infringing on my personal space? Are they infringing on my beliefs? Are they infringing on my freedom? No. I mean, we're, we're not are doing they any of that. Are they infringing on your right as an American? Why? Because there's a lot of right-wingers I mean, out there that will, that, that will jump at the chance to put in an amendment to the Constitution to outlaw gay marriage. So they will probably jump at the same chance to try to have these uh, to have a nationwide bathroom bill. I mean, pull out the two by four out of your own eye before you preach. Yeah, 
before you point out the splinter in someone else's. Well, also it tells me that these evangelicals and right-wingers have a, um, how can I say this? They have a dirty little secret of their own, and that's been coming mm-hmm. to light a lot, especially with you know the molestation of children, mm. um, underage marriages, under underage abortions. So, um, for I guess it's low hanging fruit for them, but you know Philip, you're right. Um, they got to take that two by four out of their own eye. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, they've just been hypocrites all along, but they're trying to convince the vast majority of Americans that we are the problem, which we're not. And all we're asking for is to live our lives, to give us the health care that we deserve. Domestic partner benefits. Domestic partner benefits. Mm-hmm. I mean, the list goes on and on. But here's my thing about the whole entire <clears throat> agenda thing. You know, and that's why people need to quit sitting idly by and just allowing things like this because it's our group that's being targeted today, and it's been other groups in the past. But please believe if this is – if this is – if this – uh, injustice is allowed. Who's to say that your group is not going to be targeted next? You see what I'm saying? Because there's always, uh-huh. in any period of time, there's a scapegoat or a group of people that's always being targeted. And while you're sitting back and thinking that it doesn't affect you, <clears throat> any injustice to one group is an injustice to all because you don't know who's going to be the target next. And here's my thing you're talking about a gay agenda. When people have that type of language and they, they say stuff like that, you push people in the closet and you pretty much breed a culture of men living on the down low. Yes. Because whether or not you you, you want to accept it or not, women always tell me, I want men to be honest with me. I want them to let me know what they are, this thing. But you know, when <laughs> you never want to be honest with you. This, this language, let me finish, let me finish. When you push this language out there, you are forcing these men to live these secret lives. And when these men live these secret lives, they aren't being educated. They're living they're living off the grid. They they don't know what they're doing. And this further perpetuates the, the spread of HIV and other STDs because these people aren't going to get tested. They're just out here doing this that, and the other. But when you promote people being who they are and being honest and giving allowing people to live in their truth is you know have you know allow people to to have their basic rights as tax paying citizens you eliminate all that stuff because people can feel comfortable about getting educated people feel comfortable about getting tested people feel comfortable about doing what they need to do to protect the health of themselves in their community but when you talk about this gay agenda you first of all even into that, I don't care how socially acceptable it is, who in their right mind wants to be gay? Now, there's some people that give the gay community a bad name because they think it's something trendy to do, but people that are actually walking this life, 
who wants to choose to live a life where you're going to be ostracized and you're outside of the quote-unquote norm? That's why I say quote-unquote norm because as long as you allow people to put you in that box, that's how you're going to think. But what I'm saying is who who would want that life for themselves? You know what I'm saying? Over time, people just they grow to accept and embrace themselves, but who wants to put themselves at risk of being ostracized from their family and disowned and, and, and being on the street, people threatening to take your life and stuff like that. Don't nobody choose that. Ain't no agenda out here. Now, the only thing that we're saying is we want to live our lives in peace. We ain't trying to force nothing on nobody. I don't even care if you don't accept it, but I want my basic rights. I pay my taxes like any other person. I work hard, uh-huh. and y'all want to sit here and say, I about gay people, but they're the ones that's, that a lot of times have to step in and take care of children in, in, in your families because the, the mother's so trifling and the father ain't around. He's a deadbeat. The mother don't want to take care of the kids. She out here spreading it, spreading it wide and busting it open. So a lot of times you got the gay uncles or the, the gay aunties that got to step in and take care of these kids. So before you want to sit up here and talk about the gay agenda or say all this uh-huh. shit, uh, stuff about the gay community, realize it's a lot of the gay people that are stepping in and, 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 and taking over the responsibilities that you dismiss. You know what I'm saying? So I just I just get a problem, got a problem when people talk about this gay agenda. Ain't nobody trying to force nothing on anybody. Just like every other group has had to stand up, we are standing up. And, and, and all these people that got something to say about the gay community, having this agenda, yeah. y'all need to take a page from their playbook because maybe y'all won't be marginalized and won't be oppressed if you would take and, you know, take a page from the playbook and see how they're doing things. Because obviously they must have yeah. some type of influence and they're doing something that you're not doing because you wouldn't be in the situation that you're in. And I think a lot of people is just, I, I don't want to say it's a jealousy type of thing, but they kind of feel that how are these people so powerful now? How are these people being able to have such an influence on society and get what they want? And we've been struggling for so many years and this, that, and the other. I said, you know what? My thing is, you, I, I feel like anybody that's doing something that that I'm trying to do and they're doing a better job of me, I'm going to imitate it. And I'm going to see how they got to where they're at. And I think that's what we need, you know, a lot of people need to do. Quit trying to trying to say that the gay people, gay gay community is trying to bully and trying to play put their agenda on people and learn from them because obviously they're doing something right. Mhm. So yeah, You're I don't right. know. Take take it how you take it how you want. That's just how I feel. And that's the thing. It's not just gay agenda. It's everything that's an agenda, even with this thing with abortion, even with this thing with illegal immigration. They all have something in common. When you tell a person the truth of what's going on in this country that is affecting a marginalized group of people, automatically they assume it's an agenda. Mm-hmm. It's like we have, been, we have been fed so many lies from the media to the point that we can't discern the truth unless someone actually explains it to us, that this is not an agenda, this is not propaganda, this is reality. And eventually it will affect you. Just because it doesn't affect you now doesn't mean it won't affect you later. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. So you're absolutely right. That's why I said, like, a misjust, you know, uh, injustice of one group is an injustice to all. Because, like you said, we're all taxpaying citizens. We're all, uh, we all deserve basic rights. It ain't even about you accepting somebody's lifestyle, quote unquote lifestyle. It's not even about accepting, it's about just having equal protection under the law. That's what I always say. It's about equal protection. Everybody deserves to have their equal rights. You can't sit here and tell me if I'm a citizen, I'm paying my taxes, that I should not have the same rights as the next person should have. That's right. You you can't tell mm-hmm. me that. You, that's Money's just, off. That's just you know, nobody's telling you, ain't nobody holding your, no gun to your head telling you that you got to be X, Y, and Z. Nobody's telling you that. So I just I just have a problem when they say, well, we're, we're indoctrinating these kids and this, that, and that. That's the how about I mean, y'all forcing your gender on gender on people that aren't like that? You know what I'm saying? Y'all y'all feeding these children everything under the sun, you got all this other stuff on TV and all just everything. But you talking about the gay? Like I don't understand. They're not the ones going in these schools, blowing up, you know, shooting these schools up and doing all this stuff, all this <coughs> crazy stuff. But y'all so focused on me. Yeah, the thing I remember is, oh, did a gay person shoot up Columbine? No. Did a gay person blow up Oklahoma City bombing? Uh, sorry, Oklahoma, that building in Oklahoma City? No. Mm-hmm. Did a gay person cause all this climate change? Did they cause all these floods and hurricanes and earthquakes and forest fires? Did they fires? tell you not to vaccinate your children? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, it's really funny it's, that. It's just, um, it's yeah. been since gay marriage has been enacted by the Supreme Court that the thought about you know gay people to marry the, the the percentage of people polled is now uh, above fifty percent. I think it's getting closer to sixty percent, and the people that say that they shouldn't get married is probably closer to forty percent. Mm-hmm. 30 years ago, that was completely the opposite and probably in much further directions. It was probably like 10% in 1990 and 90% against. So we have honestly come a long way. Mm-hmm. We have, um, you know, everyone knows someone who's gay. Everyone. And Gay people ain't going nowhere. That's right. We're not. They're not going nowhere. And and the only reason why it's so um, in our in front of us now is because people are feeling more comfortable and feeling more free. But don't be deceived. Like, don't think that these people just gay people just are just these mystical people that just are creatures that just popped up out of nowhere. Yeah. A lot of times this stuff was underground. A lot of these men were married. Hell, like y'all, y'all look. Remember that movie that came out about Brokeback Mountain? People laugh about that movie. Well, that was that's mm-hmm. a reality. These men were married. These men, you would have never, you know, expected these people being homosexual or lesbian. And and that's another thing too. A lot of people always want to think about the download as a, a male epidemic. No, there are so many women that's out here licking and laughing. I hate to. 
be whatever, but I'm just saying. Like, everybody wants mm-hmm. to think that the download is something that is just a male type of thing or a black male type of thing. That's right. Because that that epidemic has been assigned to the black community. But this, the down law has been something that has effect, been effect in all, I mean, <clears throat> I thought, has been in effect in all communities since the beginning of time. Gay people have been around since the beginning of the time. Look at look at the, the Greek empires and the, and the Roman empires and everything else. Like, that stuff has been going on. Like, it was a time where these men would, have these families, and they would just look at women as, you know, a means of procreation. They want to get down with the boys. They want to get down with the men. This ain't nothing. This is just something that has been going on since the beginning of time. And now that people want to be in a meaningful relationship and they want to settle down, and, okay, isn't that what you <clears throat> you claim that you should be doing instead of being out here being immoral, sleeping with everybody? But now that people want to settle down and live their life with a partner. And, and have some type of normalcy, quote unquote. Now y'all got a problem with? It. Like I just I don't understand. Me neither. I mean, am I wrong or am I right? You're definitely right about that. Yeah, you're right. I mean, if I want to go from point A to point B with you and hold your hand down the street without the fear of getting attacked or get the fear of being called some kind of homophobic slur. That's what I want. But we have a lot of people who don't, um, they don't get that. And they feel like they have to attack for whatever reason. Yeah. I mean, hate is a real thing. It sure is. And that is the one thing I honestly that needs to be stamped out. But I'm going to tell you this. People won't, people, times are, I'm going to say this. Times are changing, and people better be careful who they roll it up on. Because just don't think because somebody is gay, lesbian, transgender, bi, whatever. Don't think that every person is going to allow you to get in their face and, um, Call them some type of derogatory name, or you, or you think you're about mm-hmm. to bash somebody because you got this. You gonna mess around and get yourself jacked up, or you gonna probably get yourself shot or killed because I think now people are starting to realize that we have to protect ourselves. Yeah, we do. And you gonna roll up on the wrong person one day, and you call somebody the f bomb, or you you try to. Beat honey, but I'm gonna tell you. I'm gonna tell you a queen out there that that carries, and she'll let you know. T. S. Madison, and she's been a very big advocate of people protecting themselves, and um, and, and, and not a you know, you know, you, you just can't accept. You can't expect that everybody's gonna be about that. You know, gonna let you just walk all over them, and I and I just advise yeah. any everybody to exercise your your Second Amendment right. You you are a citizen of this country. It's your right to exercise that right yeah. because you don't know who's out here. It, it doesn't make sense for the criminals and everybody else to have access to guns and, and weaponry, and you as a, a legitimate taxpaying citizen and somebody that's on the right side of the law, you to be out here totally defense. I, I just don't agree with that. 
Yeah. I'm sorry. I'm going to have um, to jet out here. Okay, then. But we, I want to thank you for uh, coming on, Philip, and we're going to probably wrap this uh, broadcast up. But um, yeah, thanks for having look me. Out. Huh? Thanks for having me. No problem. Well, I think you got anything else that you want to say? No, no. As we keep doing this. All right. Well, we will not be back this Sunday, but we will be back on the following Sunday. Um, Let's see what that date is. Uh, That will be, look at the calendar, July. We'll be back on July 7th. So, everybody have a wonderful holiday weekend. And we will be back with another broadcast of The Tea, Episode 3. Until then, everybody take care of each other and take care of yourself. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.